Ben Harbor, Michigan is a unique place on the lake that is home to less than 10,000, but with the hearts of one million. From the inside looking in, there's a strong emphasis on place. This series focuses on the people and their view of leadership, influence, and power, and how it impacts the 49022. So we welcome you to this special series for the Please Do Tell podcast that is all about the stories and people of Benton Harbor, Michigan. And today, we are again joined by Mr. Perry Jackson. We're going to continue our discussion on community leadership and how it builds community. So let's get to it. We focus a lot and put a lot of emphasis on a lot of things, but we don't focus and put a lot of emphasis on, you know, on the black woman and how strong, you know, you guys are. And, uh, you know, so it was good to hear Precious being a young lady who's coming up and I can tell that she's definitely gonna be strong. And it's good to see Toya, you know, showing her strength, you know, and, and the thing she's willing to step out on faith and do, you know what I mean? You just need more, uh, you know, young sisters or older sisters even, you know, go back to school, challenge yourself and get a degree. Continue to, you know, try to do better for your children and yourself while giving back to the community. So that definitely says a lot about who she is as an individual. Yeah, cause it, it I mean, even having friends that were single moms, but seeing them go back to school or even go back and get a trade, it was like, no, um, this isn't it for me. And seeing more black women do that is inspiring. It's, you know, I, or I even, you know, working with some of the teen moms and they're like, no, my goal is to still graduate from high school. I said, I'm, I'm going to do that. And even seeing some of the teen moms that, that I went to school with and seeing their kids now graduate. And they're just like, no, that was my inspiration. Now they're inspiring me. Now I'm going to go back to school. Cause I feel like it's, it's that time to focus on me. And just hearing them and seeing them just do things, it's like, it's, it's, it's really like there's no other person like a Black woman because they will find so many things to put together to make things great. Mm-hmm. With, they're like, I, I only had one onion. I had one turkey right. leg, but I, I, made, right. I done made some seasons up in my, in my kitchen mm-hmm. and I got a whole meal for five. And... That's what I thought about even with listening to her interview. She was just like, no, I, I had this, I had this, or I talked to this person and we just made it work. It I was mean, like partnership for real. That's uh, I mean, but that's a testament to our history, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that's something that people don't really like to talk about a lot. You know, you go back and you realize, you know, how strong black women were in the, uh, you know, in the 40s, the, you know, mm-hmm. the 30s, you know, back when, you know, even in slavery, right? Mm-hmm. You know, taking taking nothing and, and making it out of something. And and, and I want to say this, and I will be clear. Black women, that is so sexy. It's so sexy when you can, I mean, just continue to show that you're willing to educate yourself and be better and take on multiple tasks. A real man can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a real man, you know, can really appreciate that. But not only that, you know, like I say, you know, I'm an avid reader. So when I look at things, the most powerfulest person besides God and Jesus is Harriet Tubman. Mm. And that's me. Mm-hmm. Because during a time where men, once they escape slavery, 
I'm free. I don't want to go back. It was more selfishness. But you're talking about a woman who freed people who went back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much power? I call that looking down the barrel multiple times. She constantly looking down the barrel, constantly looking down the barrel in order. She was selfless. It, it wasn't about her. It was about people. It was about the love of people. And so, no, I mean, I love Martin Luther King. I love Malcolm X. I love, uh, 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 um, what's the brother out here in South Africa? Uh, Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I love these powerful figures, you know, you know, who challenge, you know, themselves, but there's nothing like, a, uh, you know, there's nothing like a strong black woman. Mm-hmm. So Harriet Tubman taught me that. So we're going to move on to Prentice. Semi. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Woo, when I heard, when, when I said, okay, I know this voice. When you said the name, I said, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Like all the interviews were good, but I think it was really hearing, and I say this in love because I love calling y'all this. It was like really listening to OGs and what they're doing and like their life story and giving back and what can we do. And I just, I said, oh, I just really, if we could. It's almost like you want to have all of the conversations that all of the researchers did be published by their, you know, just hearing you all just talk. I'm like, this is an episode in itself. Seriously. Right. Um, So, okay. So I'm going to, you know, after I bigged it up a little bit, but why did you decide to have that conversation or include Prentice's story in this project? So, uh, you know, fortunately enough, I was, you know, I come up and, you know, me and Prentice go way back. We're friends also, you know, he's definitely one of my closest friends. And, but, you know, it's sort of like, we look at the ebbs and flows of his life, right? The thing mm-hmm. where he come from, you know, young, in the inner city of Chicago, and, you know, and his mom struggling and getting him and the sift and them, you know, up out of Chicago and, you know, him coming to Ben Harbor, you know, just his story alone is something great. But then to see him come to a community Ben Harbor, you know, to go to uh, junior high and to high school to be accepted. And then for him to go to Division One, University of California and play point guard, go overseas and then me staying in contact with him over the years and, you know, monitoring his progress and then finding out that he was a part of that uh, baseball, uh, you know, foundation. But then knowing that he had been overseas to play ball, so people would look and look at Prentice like, man, he was, you know, he was not, even though he may not have been to the NBA, but he was still at the height of his career. A lot of, a lot of people make significant money overseas playing, mm-hmm. you know, playing pro ball. But, yeah. you know, but for him to come back and then go to the high school in which he graduated from and, you know, become part of the security team. And, uh, you know, I had actually, this is the crazy thing about it. I had heard, uh, you know, when I was in, incarcerated, Oh man, Prentice done this to your little cousin. And when I actually seen the tape of my little cousin, you know, how he was acting out, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you know, Prentice done what he had to do. And but at the same time, yep. he did not want him to get suspended. Yep. You yep. know, he, you know, yeah. he, he kept telling him, be, be easy, calm down. You know, mm-hmm. this ain't really you. You know, I know your family. Right. And then sometimes when you're young, you get so emotional, you want to. So I'd have stuck my chest out against a grown man before and I got put in my place. And so unfortunately that had to happen, but I'm so thankful that 
you know, my cousin, uh, you know, or, or his mother, which is my cousin, she, you know, understood the situation mm-hmm. and my family understood the situation. But, you know, it, it, I, I saw so much of that in Prentice, like, you know, this dude has always been the same way. But, yeah. you know, he was like, I don't want him suspended. I want him to understand that he can't do what he do because it'd be easy to say, hey, yeah, I want him suspended. He put his hands on me. You know, I'm the security guard. It's like, no. But it just shows his heart also. You know what I mean? And then he mm-hmm. just, and then uh, he's a man who's respected. And since I've been around, I've seen so many young guys ride past and, and I just stop and talk to him and shake his hand. It's like, okay, he's a person who the community look at because he's not, he, he don't sell drugs. He's not a drug dealer. He, you know, he is a man who, you know, who works, you know, has his friends. You know, every time I see him talking to the young guy, young guy that I don't even know nowadays, I see him, you know, telling them the right thing to do. Don't do this, man. I heard you've done this. Why is you doing that? Mm-hmm. And trying to give them a better side of things to be considered. I'm like, okay, classic PMAC. You know, that's what he <laughs> do. That's what type of individual he is. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that, you know, so just in his daily living, he's showing leadership. Um. I know in the interview, he talks about, um, you know, seeing leadership as far as from him, it was basketball, you know, his life with his, his, his career in basketball. And then also identifying with um, his classmate and teammate, which is also the mayor of Marcus Muhammad. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, man, but we're, we're doing things that, you would want the kids to aspire to be. He said, you know, when they look at Marcus, hopefully they say like, man, I could be the mayor one day or I could be the president or I could be the governor. And I didn't even think about it like that. But knowing and just he even called you all OGs. And I was just like, I just love y'all. And Mm -hmm. but he really talks about and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll get the clip of him talking about being the security at the high school and just being a mentor and being an example. But really the kids repeating or the young people repeating what they see. So I want to I wanna play that clip for us and then we'll come back because it was a lot that he said in a minute's time. Asked to interview him just because of you know the political aspect. You know, although I know him personally, you know, and, and I do recognize him as being a you know a leader. So let me first and foremost state that on the record. But uh, when you dealing with what we're dealing with right now in the community, it's just so much going on. And yes, it's like these kids they don't want to see. Yes, nah, they don't want to see Muhammad. You know, come talk to them. They don't want to see the church leaders come talk to them. Yes. they don't want to see these political figures. Yep. They want to see. You know, the people who come up from the struggle, it, it seemed like their particular mindset is the mindset. They only respect what they see. As we call it, game recognized games. So yep. It takes a person like like yourself, mm-hmm. you know I mean? like myself, who, you know, been through a lot of trials and tribulations, who they uh, can look up to and respect, especially if we live one life and then we turn around and we start doing something else. It's like they respect mm-hmm. more, more so the people that have been in the streets versus, mm-hmm. you know, the people who... Uh, you know, our political leaders. Correct. Or, or, or pastors yeah, or and pastors stuff like that. So, so, yeah, so, these, you know, that's why I asked you to do this interview, man. Yeah. Your story. You right. Know, 
I can get 20 people who have clean cut stories. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, to, uh, you know, to put them down, but in order to touch our youth and the problem that we're dealing with now, mm-hmm. you have to be able to pick one am- amongst us. Yes, yes, I agree. At least they'll have an opportunity to say, you know what? Yep. We'll listen to OG. Yes, sir. Or we'll listen to old girl. Mm-hmm. But these people who putting on suits and tie, they don't want to. They don't want to hit him right now. Yep, exactly. So and that's that, the difference. Yeah, and that's, that's a great point that you made. Because, like, as I was stating about the mayor, Marcus Muhammad, like like you said, like, my pastor is Pastor Burton at Refreshing Fountains. And I think he's a great leader also because, like you said, people don't want to hear a man come and tell you what you don't see. Most this is our biggest problem in our community. A lot of us want want you to tell us stuff that make us feel like, oh, okay, hey, yeah, yeah. You don't want to hear really the truth. Mm. So it's big when a pastor approaches somebody. Oh man, I don't, I don't want to hear that man. The pastor, he ain't no better than me, and this and that. But if you sit and just listen to what the pastor is telling you. And what he's saying, maybe you can comprehend better and you can get more out of it, opposed to just judging him as a pastor because, he, you know, he come in, he's suit and tie. He may come dressed like us. I mean, Pastor Burden is, you know, he he's down to earth. So I think that's the other thing. I'm not saying, like, all of these pastors is all right and what they're saying and these hidden agendas that they have, but I'm saying there are a few good pastors that I would consider as great leaders in our community because I know they mean well. Like Pastor Burton, he he does a thing where he works at Notre Dame football games. He's not doing it now because of the COVID-19, but we take about 25 people down there. We work the concession stand. We give back. He does a lot of food drives once a month during the um, COVID. After the COVID, he's been doing that. He, he has a gym where kids can come and go and play. So I, I look at him as one of our great leaders around here, too. And and people just got to start broadening their minds. You have to broaden your minds a little more, especially our young youth. I mean, you may think you know everything, but trust me, <laughs> you don't know everything. Let me ask you this here, right? You know, I was just having a conversation yesterday with... Um, the CEO at the Boys and Girls Club is retiring. And um, I, because we were talking about education and what can we do and all of that. And I said, there are some people in this community that are touching our young people that we can't touch. There are people that they need to hear from that I don't think that the organization has exactly embraced to come in and talk to our young people. So they're finding different ways to connect with them. So I'm listening to them. And he just kind of sat back and looked at me. And I said, that's that's what's going on during COVID when we're not seeing any kids and we're not talking to them. They are. Or even before that. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of looking to have... um, and I'm not knocking it because there's so many people have actually come into the organization and actually helped our young people. But 
I see the connection with a lot of um, like you have Coach Tay comes in with the baseball kids. I mean, it's it's different people in this community that have a different touch or a different exactly. And exactly. it's like embrace them instead of looking like, oh, okay, well, I mean, they don't really fit this, this mold of, well, they don't check all these boxes. They're the ones that are connecting to our young people and we need to listen to them more. And so when he said that, and then he's going to talk a little bit about, cause it's like, it's so many clips that I know that I need to play, but um, hearing the truth and how we receive it. And I feel like even in the past, it's just like, if it doesn't come from this organization or this corporation, then it's not, it's not Mm -hmm. the gospel. Mm -hmm. So what did you have to, when he said that, what did you think about that? Cause I, I mean, Hey, I had my, clearly I had my two cents about it. Right. So, uh, you know, firstly, he talked about, you know, for the church leaders and, you know, I was trying to get him to understand, listen, it, it could be easy for me to uh, interview the two uh, most powerful people who I think influenced, uh, you know, my decision to come home, mm-hmm. Bishop Atterbury and uh, 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 Pastor McAfee. You know, those men were influential in being by my side and, you know, and uh, helping me out. It'd be, you know, it would have been easy to go to them and say, hey, I need an interview from you. It would have been easy for me to go to someone who I come up through school with, uh, Marcus Muhammad played ball with, you know, and things like that. But me listening over the years to young men come in and me understanding, it's more so it's what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, I'm putting them together. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm mature enough to understand what a Creflo Dollar or T.D. Jakes may say. But the kid in the hood, it's like there's a big disconnect, mm-hmm. right? So here it is, you have... You have a church on every five or six blocks, but the community is steady deteriorating, right? So it's not a shot at our leaders, right? It's a shot at the time and distance, you know, that there's a disconnect. Okay, if you open up your Bible and you say what God said or the book of such and such said, you're only going to get people who are who have basically lived their life, who understand the Lord and got the Lord in their lives, who's going to be, you know, who's willing to sit there but you're not going to get the kid who's tearing up the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we get to them to make them understand? You know, um, you know, our leaders definitely have something to say and have some influence. So I wanted to stay away from those and get to people like myself who, who they can relate to, who they can sit down and say, hey, you know, come on, man. Y'all come over here, man. We're just going to sit down, kick it, and use a certain language. We're going to chop it up. I'm going to order food, and we're going to watch a game. But, but then insert something that's powerful and, and get their thoughts on things. So you can get an idea of what they're, you know, how they think. So I can know how to either give them a solution to the problem or the solution, meaning a solution, one of many or the answer to their problems. And so what happens is when you don't have people who actually come out the pulpit. Now, I will say this about uh, Pastor McAfee. Every time I see him at the barbershop, he's like, look, man, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I got these plans. Once COVID eases up, I need you to be on board. So I know his heart is in the right place. And I'm sure oh, yeah. if I talk to the other leaders, uh, you know, pastors, uh, you know, I'm sure they will too. But one of the most important things that we got to understand is that a lot of people want to be in the number one position, right? <laughs> it takes more than one mind to create a mastermind. And we have to be able to 
really pull people from our community who have stories like me because I know, you know, yes. a few brothers. I got one powerful friend I'm talking about. His name is Danny Alexander. He, uh, he done over 45 years in prison. Mm -hmm. He was one of the most and uh, important influences, I mean, uh, influential people in my life. I've never heard a man spoke who really spoke to my heart and who actually got me emotional, but he's one. And, and, and he happens to be from this community. Really? Man, when I tell you he needs to be in front of young men, yeah. when I tell you, this is a man that I want to give him an opportunity. I want, to, I want people to understand what type of elder, elder individuals that we have you know, yeah. in our community, you know, I was formerly incarcerated. Mm -hmm. man, man, this guy will blow your mind. But, uh, you know, he's one of the guys who taught me, give me, you know, give me books to read, names of books. I order them, either give them to me. Mm -hmm. This is this is a man for years who didn't own a TV, but he has nothing but books because he didn't care about, you know, what we call the dummy tube. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, but, uh, and, 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 and I think secondly, uh, well, the second part of that, um, I kind of lost track. What the second part of, or the last part of, Prentice was talking about. Um. So he was about to actually segue into. Um. So he talked about the pastors. He talked about um, you all telling more stories. But let me see, because it definitely went right into the. Um, him becoming when you all become to give back. So do you want to just go right into that and then maybe that'll trigger something? Okay, yeah, cool, cool. cool. Okay. Before the COVID-19, mm -hmm. what was your uh, employment? I was, a, I, was a, I was a head of security at the high school first. Then I um, was transferred to Fair Play East over there. And I was the security over there along with Miss Tony which is Paul Tony's wife. Okay. And so, yeah, so I was a security. So, and you know, the thing about being a security man, I mean, I look at it as like, this gives me a chance to mentor and talk to young kids. I see a lot of these young kids in the hallway. I can tell them, hey, don't do that. That makes me feel good when I can tell a kid, no, don't do that when I know it's wrong. Now, I gotta be doing right in order for me to tell a kid not to do something. That's right, that's right. I can't be all out here doing this and doing that. You can't have one one foot on a banana peel, another one in some oil, and then you're trying to go to school and these kids see all this happening, then they come back to school and you like, hey, Mr. Magruder, I seen you doing this. I seen you doing that. So that's what I, with our, with our grown-ups, our, adult, our adult, adults around here, I think, we have to start showing more and giving these kids a better vision through us. Right. Meaning we need to do right. We have to do better as parents and grown-ups, as fathers, husbands, whatever it is. So our young youth can grow up and we can instill it in them. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things, uh, practice what you preach. Yes. You know, to go back to what I was saying, you know, Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Sort of like integrity has to be so much at the forefront because you know I look at integrity as doing the right thing when nobody else is watching. Yes, sir. No matter what you're doing, somebody is always watching. Exactly. You try to preach to the kids, don't do this, but they may see you. Mm -hmm. You don't even know they somewhere around you know mm -hmm. in the area. 
Yeah. So you doing something like, so how are they supposed to listen to you? And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I reached out to you because your name came up mm -hmm. in a couple of things, you know, particularly in your work, mm -hmm. what you do. So, you know, I want to ask you to speak on two things because you know, mm -hmm. I heard that sometime that you would take, you know, you would take young guys, you'd take them out to eat or you'd take them and play ball. Mm -hmm. All that stuff, man, is, you know, I think that's so positive, man. And, and, and also, you know, speak on that. And then mm -hmm. also, could you speak on, uh, you know, the uh, every Sunday program that you're part of, uh, you know, with, mm -hmm. with the community uh, baseball games. No problem. Yeah. Okay. Well, the thing with the, um, see, how, how I started getting with a lot of young kids, I started um, having the Ben Harbor High School gym open on Saturdays. I try to do it twice a week. Before the COVID-19, I was doing it like twice a week. I probably had try to go like on a Wednesday if the basketball team or the girls or the boys are not practicing or something. And I would work out at least about 10 to 12 young men, men and young ladies, actually. And... How I started is when I was, by me being the security at the high school, I had access to, you know, like running the building and stuff like that. I was like, well, I'm up here. You know, I used to play basketball. I was like, my way of giving back. I don't want to charge a kid, hey, it's, it's this much for her to come. And then I say, my way of giving back, I want to open this gym up for the kids to come in so they can have something to do on the weekends because now most kids they don't have it like we had you know when we had it period we was on wreck we, we had wreck right. so we, you know we doing everything we swimming right. we playing right. basketball we over your house we over this person's house we over that person's house you know so we was tightening then you had 4-H you had all these programs you had the different programs and stuff like that but now so what I tried to do I was like hey I'm gonna start opening the gym up. And then how I baited them in to start coming a little more, and I feel bad about it, but oh well. I started taking them and getting them like, okay, I'm gonna take y'all to get some ice cream or take y'all get a juice and chips or take y'all, okay, I'll buy y'all breakfast this morning. Y'all get all sausage and eggs. I don't eat sausage, so I'm getting an egg and cheese McMuffin. So I would take them there. And the kids, I can see, if not only they was adamant about getting to the gym on Saturday, I used to see the kids sometimes. They'd be like, Miss McGrudy, is, is, is we um, training on what's that? We working out on Saturday? Now they asking me. But I could be helping that kid in more than one way. It could be me coming from Highland Projects. I know if it was me, I would have been there every Saturday because not only just for the workouts, hey, he buying breakfast, man. I don't know where my, where my next meal coming from. Wow. So, you know, so in that aspect, it, I do have some of those kids that's less fortunate. And, you know, not that I'm not trying to belittle them or belittle their families or nothing like that. That was just that's just some out the kindness of my heart. man. And just like when I see kids that's adamant about just want to be great and do some things. I mean, I can't do nothing but do all I can for, them, you know, because I came from the same place they came from. Most of those kids. Woo. Um, before he talks about. Um softball. I actually had this conversation with um, another researcher after I listened to this interview. It was, we had, in our generation, it was the armory 
you all had the wreck and then Prentice even talks about 4-H and, and all of that and him using what he had in order to give back to them in order for him to use something that he's very knowledgeable knowledgeable about and then having access to something. It was really about the, I have access to something that they really, really want and they need and it's going to keep them out of trouble. And if I can, we'll make sure that we feed them too. So that also kind of spills into what they, what, what they did with bringing back the softball. But yeah, just, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Cause I know you can probably, you can definitely identify with, with that too. Right. So, you know, so, um, you know, a lot of time funding is funding, and, and this is what people don't realize, right? Funding is a major part of people's well-being, whether we look at it or not, right? Or the lack thereof. So what happens is I was raised uh, in the place that they call her terror in the 70s. So that was the more affluent community where I can leave out of my house, go to the basketball court or go to the swimming pool. This in the 70s, right? Mm -hmm. And when my mom would go to work, she would take me to Highland Project to my grandmother's place, uh, you know, and or, or either to my aunt's house. So I'm looking at, because my mother was working at Whirlpool then, so I was the only child. It was like I had so much. Anything that I wanted, I was afforded that opportunity, right? So I had better opportunities at four, five, six years old than, you know, than kids who were staying in the projects. And then so what happened is I would go to the projects and that's when they had the lunches. They would pass out at a certain time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll never forget. Even at a young age, I was like, I ain't eating that stuff. That stuff nasty. I can go home and eat everything that's good. But then my cousin was like, but ain't they coming to get you to 10, 11 o'clock tonight. She ain't going to let you eat what you want to eat. And for some reason, I don't know, that just resonated with me. And I always talk about that story because at that time, it made me believe the thing. Do I think that I'm better than them, you know, better than the kids in that community? But then now being older and more mature, it's sort of like it's a lot of kids who don't go and eat breakfast at a, a McDonald's or yeah. a Burger King, get the breakfast sandwiches. So just that little thought to do that, it makes that young man or that young lady feel good. Like, hey, I ain't used to having this. There's something different. There's something good. Well, maybe Mr. Magruder. So sometimes we have to get people to do things through their bellies sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. What's important is that when it comes to funding, we were able to start playing, you know, Ben Harbor, Ben Harbor's been all about basketball. Always been about basketball. And people don't know, secondly, baseball. You know, that was a summer activity that all of us who played basketball, who played baseball also, but we were able to go to the Child Gray Recreation Center and swim, lift weights. So we was afforded a lot of, you know, schooling amenity that children are not afforded now, right? You know, so that plays a lot. And this is why, it, you know, it's it's very important that something, something gets started up where we can uh, get the children from, you know, from the low impoverished community, even though Ben Harvard is a low impoverished uh, uh, city, but it's, you know, it's it's almost just as worse, in my opinion, you know, with kids and, uh, you know, and projects, because what people don't realize when you look at, the common denominator across the United States when it comes to housing projects, it's really like almost the same mentality if you pay attention. It's sort of like, I come from the mud. This is where I come from. I come from the lowest of the low as if my housing project make me come from the lowest of the low. 
But even though you have the same type of people who may be on a uh, on a on a city street, you know, who may stay in a house on another side of town, but on a regular street, but it's a mentality that, that we have to change around. But funding has a lot to do with that. Funding really, whether it be monetarily in your pocket or something that you're part of, it changes things for individuals. Do we all want money in our pocket? Of course, that's that's the number one thing we want. <laughs> but but programming and, and paying educational, you know, paying for certain education, paying for certain programs to stay open. I commend us for having a boys and girls club. I commend the Armory. All these things came about after I was gone. But one thing about I see between what's going on with guys or with the environment that I was in, in incarcerated in prison and, you know, the these boys and girls clubs and these leagues and that even in prison, everybody want to be the best basketball player. They want to be the or they want to try to go for the best woman, rather be a prison guard or when it relates to the street, you want the hottest girl. You see? So what happens is, is that why can't we take take get these people like Whirlpool? Hopefully Lakeland can come up with something if a plan or if uh, some type of uh, uh, proposal or plan B created where they can see where their money is going. Right. Give us a financial advisor. Give us an, uh, an accountant where we can detail what's going to go on, because it's more than just open up these places where kids are just running to go play on the playground and shoot basketball. There's so much more can be added to these programs. Don't be afraid to bring in someone like myself who has a background, but that's also who, who has the paperwork to show, you know, a, a change and, you know, and, and show my education of what I can possibly offer. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I know different programs, I know different things that I created in prison or I was a part of that helped the community better, you know, or the prison community. So having these community centers and, and, and all these things going, it's, it's, it's more than recreation, right? It's more than recreation. And that's the thing that we're really promoting. Even though we're giving them a safe haven, hey, get away from the, you know, the drug selling area where they're shooting and you want to come some come somewhere and play ball and just get a peace of mind. Okay, let's challenge them a little bit more. You know, uh, uh, parents, who wants their child to be an entrepreneur? Okay, send them here. This is what we're gonna do, like I alluded you know, earlier. Let's tell them you have this amount of money, five of y'all sit down, how do y'all gonna come up with a business? Y'all wanna come up with the lemonade stand this summer? Okay, come up with the lemonade stand. But you gotta work in order to put money in your pocket in order to buy your school clothes. So you're creating an independence in an individual in an entrepreneurial spirit versus them running, seeing guys make a quick four or $500 real quick from selling drugs or, or doing something that will end up catching up with them in the end, and which will stultify their uh, their maturity of their decision-making. And that's the thing. It's so much more than just having a place where they can go and shoot ball and play games. It's more than that. And it takes money to fund that type of thing. Absolutely. So we want to... Um... Quick, listen to um, how um, bringing back the softball and also talks a little bit about what's next. Like they got a little excited. There was success behind that. So what's next? So we're going to hear that and then we're going to come back and wrap it up. What are we going to do? Because normally we continue to play um, in the men's league all year round. Okay. 
Like once that season over, oh, we back the springtime league now. Now it's summertime. So when all of that came to a halt, we was like, ah, it was. I'll never forget. It was um, me, me and Boo Boo. Um, we were talking. We were sitting. I was like, man, we should start back playing softball. And Rico Gillespie mentioned to me, I think Rico was out there. He was like, yeah, we should. I mean, we used to whip on y'all and we got the light talk. He was like, man, y'all ain't never beat us. He was like, man, we won't beat y'all. And that thing, you know, we was like, you know something? Put on Facebook. That's the good thing about social media. I don't have social media, but my friends have it. I was like, y'all announced on social media that we, we having a softball game this Sunday and we, we would like basically 35 and older women and men a co-ed team and we would like for you all to come up there and we're going to play softball so the first week it went well it was a lot of people and all this the second week a young lady by the name of Latoya she came up there yeah, matter of fact, I interviewed her. Her, her name was Tori Alonso. Yes, 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 she yes. Told me she was part of the art. Yeah, of yes, yes. So the yeah, so the the young lady Latoya come up there and she was like, "Hey, I have someone that's interested in you know letting you all start a a softball league up here, and they will provide you all with shirts and." They will have the referee uniforms for the umpires. They will have all these different things. What we need to get the softball thing going. So I was like, oh, okay. So the next week, now we got black black team, orange team, because we have enough for like the orange team and the black team. And it's like, and we calling it, I think on the front of it was like, um, ball harbor or something, softball league or something. And so now everybody looking good in black and orange. Now all of a sudden we we got like maybe 25 people watching. Now the next Sunday it's like 100 people watching. Now the next Sunday it's like two, 300 people watching. And now the last four or five Sundays, I mean, it's like you can't even park nowhere. <laughs> right. And I mean, and it's all, it's good. And everybody's coming together. We, 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 we didn't have any fights up there, no shootings. Everybody got along. We even also let some of the college players that was home during the COVID participate in it too because they was athletes like the little Denny Browns and the, the Tim Bells and the Yushans and all of them, Greg um, Whitehead. All of them. So we even let we just wanted to bring the community together at this time during the pandemic. We made sure we wore our masks and stuff like that. You know, we barbecue for the community, free barbecue. Hey, get what you want. Waters out there. So we had um we we actually had a person on the speakers announcing the games and all this type of stuff and we actually that's crazy because we just finished up just this past Sunday and now everybody like man Prentice what's next what's next y'all should and one of my friends um Tyrone Hitchcock was saying to me he was like you know something you should um should do flag football next and I was like you know something that sounds that sounds about right doing doing the type of the weather and then you know at least we'll be outside 
And most of the time, I'm going to separate myself from y'all anyway if I'm playing receiver anyway, so I won't be that close to y'all anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, and I was like, that's, that's kind of that's good. I was like, that's a good idea, little man. I said, you know something? I'm going to have to keep that in, in the top of my head. So I haven't talked to Latoya about that yet, but she's adamant about having something because we also discussed kickball. We discussed kickball with a few people in the neighborhood. I know um, Nisi Perry and Nicole Robinson, all of them, they was requesting they wanted to play kickball. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that's, that's a good one too. But whatever it is, whatever we do, if we throwing darts or whatever we're doing, my main focus is for us to keep growing together as a community, as a whole, you know, keep educating our kids, Keep staying on them. You know, we have to keep drilling them repetitively, repetitively. Because if you don't, they are stray away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, you know, just like I told Ms. Lund, you know, I've on a, a few occasions came up and, uh, you know, watch you guys play baseball. Uh, mm -hmm. It was just so good to hear, like, even the names that he dropped. It's like, no, these are, like, people that I consider OGs. These are people that are getting together. Doing this, but the question was, what's next? Right. And that's not only just for what he's talking about, it's like, what's next for this community? So, my question to you is, what was your biggest takeaway from this interview? Um, there's a difference between uh, power, influence, and leadership, right? You know, every you know everybody can look at this word power, and everybody really want it. But do you know how to handle it? Do you know how to influence people the right way, right? Uh, because you know that once again, people pay attention to you, and you can influence them negatively or positively based upon your actions. That a person can know. That you are a person who you know who loves violence, who loves to fight people and beat up people. Do you you have individuals who wants to follow behind that individual? So you know those are things that are just so negative about influence. Uh, I told a young man who I knew his father, right, and we were incarcerated, and I asked him, I say. These people that you're running with, you know, this group of people, I'm sure you know that they ain't doing good things. And I highlighted a few things. I say, I'm telling you this. This is what's going on. Don't you see it? Well, yeah. Well, would you allow your son to follow a person like that because you have a son? You're like, yeah. And he was like, no. I say, do you think your father will approve of you following somebody like that? If you wouldn't allow your son to follow a person like that, then he said, yeah. So I got him to see it in that moment, right? About influence. And he understood it. So as he was beginning to step back, the guys would be like, man, you ain't been around. What's going on? Because I kind of grabbed him and he started gravitating towards me. So I went to the leader, so-called leader, and I sat him down. I said, look, man. And I told him about his position in this prison community. I said, look, man. I'm not trying to step on your toes because one thing about prison, you have to be mindful how you're talking to people because people are easily to be offended if they're being challenged because they don't know how to either articulate themselves or emotionally 
deal with how someone says something to them. Like really one word can change a sentence and how you say that sentence can, can make something bad or make something good. So I, you know, I always wanted to make sure when I dealt with people that I didn't raise my voice because of my size, I didn't want to come off aggressive. And so I made him understand, look, look at what you're doing. And I ain't got nothing to do with that. That's between you and administration, which we call the police in prison. Yeah. I say, but if you have children, would you want your son following a person that's doing this? Now, granted, I see you doing some good, my brother. I've seen you bring God together. I've seen you stop incidents. But at the same time, I've seen you send guys to do things. And so, you know, that conversation took on a whole different life and respect of his own, me respecting him and him respecting me. So he allowed me to bring, I told him, listen, this is my homeboy's son. I, I know him personally. I couldn't go home and look at his parents' face knowing that I allowed him to do something crazy because that's not who I am. I can't save every child and I don't know every child's parent. But, I've all, but he was willing to listen to me and say, you know what, big homie, I don't want to be a part of that. Man, I see you be reading. I see you doing this. I see you getting respect. And so I'm like, look, this is what it's all about. Just being you, being authentic. And that's what people respect. You know, I, I told him I wasn't around acting tough, fighting and beating up people. Yeah. Did I go through certain dualities in prison to find out who I was early? Of course I did. Did I do some things that wasn't uh, common for me to do? Of course I did. But certain thing has to be done. It's just unfortunately prison because you're incarcerated with a bunch of murderers, rapists, thieves, you know, I mean, everything, the worst are the worst. And you're forced to be around these people every day. And society, you, you can go home, you can go to work and you can go home. You can have an issue with a person, you can never see them. But in prison, you're forced to deal with people up close and personal. So it forces you to fall off into that bad bunch or forces you to say, you know what? I'm going to understand the science of how to communicate and navigate this system and make it work for me. And so that's what I try to do with that young man. And he showed me that he was willing to change. And if he showed me that he was willing to change, I was willing to stick myself out for him because he showed me that. And so here in the community, you have so many young men who are just doing so many, you know, just crazy stuff, man. And it takes a person, you know, like Prentice. Because a church leader can't go to these young men, you know, who got these guns and these cars. It's just unfortunately that they ain't. I mean, or they can't. So it takes somebody, you know, who's been around a community, who they respect to really get to them. And that's something that's, you know, that's very important. And, and it's just marrying the right individual or the right candidates with the right program. And the program has to be something different because when people used to be in a hamster on the wheel doing the same thing, they fall off quick. When you come up with different programs that they never heard before, they want to be a part of. And the number one thing that I've understood is that you can't ask somebody to get off a street corner, stop selling drugs and making that type of money. If you don't have a means and ways of giving them an opportunity to make you know, to make money, just saying, hey, drugs, selling drugs or robbing people is wrong. They don't care about that. Well, how that's going to help them take care of themselves or take care of their kids? I mean, and that's the excuse for them, but you have to be able to address their excuse. And if you can't address their excuse, you done lost them. 
And so that's, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I think that's very important going forward with, uh, you know, after this podcast, uh, what do we do? Yeah. It, me, I want the opportunity to talk to, you know, the leaders of a whirlpool, you know, these, the, these particular people, you know, I don't mind going to the store, putting on a suit and, you know, and, and sitting in front of these people and having a conversation, you know, give me a mic, you know, and, uh, and the right group of people. And I know it can change. It may be slow, but I, but I know, I believe I have an idea of what it takes. And so hopefully, uh, you know, us, you know, our new family, you know, hopefully we can come up with some type of uh, answers, you know, or, or one of many answers or, or solutions to change the scope of things. That's why I'm a part of this, you know. Uh, do I trust Lakeland Army? I don't really trust nobody with a corporate mentality because they've shown time and time again that they can just really not care about, you know, about the inner city or the inner community. But, uh, you know, I trust yourself, uh, Ranika, you know, I trust Mary, you know, you know, I, I trust you guys, you know, that we can come up with a solution and, and, and try to go another forward, you know, a step forward. Like we didn't even know we was going to do this podcast, but I think it's so important that people get the opportunity to hear this conversation from each and every interviewer, from the people that they interview. Because I have a lot of followers and I'm sure if, uh, you know, I say, hey, log on to this at this time, I'm sure they're going to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And it, those are things to get the wheel to moving. And so now people are posting different ideas because other people have ideas who don't have an opportunity to sit in front of a microphone and speak. Yeah. And most people be like, oh, you ain't got nothing to say. We doing this. No, this is a community thing. We want all ideas. Yeah. But once again, it's going to take more than one person to come up with the mastermind to try to change the scope. Mm. Well, <laughs> that's how you end the show. <laughs> so, Perry, that's thanks. How you end the show. That's how you end the show. Thank you so much for joining us today and giving us just a little bit of um, what's going to be a part of the bigger picture and the big change that's going to happen in this community. Um, I know that you had so many other stories that you had um, and so many other the researchers have too. And we just want to make sure that all of their ideas, all their inputs are actually um, a part of the change that is to come. So until next time, uh, these have been the stories of uh, our Ben Harbor people when it comes to how we can impact the 49022 and talking about stories with influence, leadership, and power. So we will see you next time. So y'all, we are just getting started. That wraps up our first conversation around this whole topic of influence, leadership, and power during this special series of Everyday People in the 49022. Thank you so much for being on this journey with us. And we're excited to bring you more. So that means you got to come back next week and we talk to Uriah Baker, who's a young man that's on fire for so many things as we continue this conversation. So we'll see you next week.